You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. Eric here with Two Sides of Fi, just checking in to set up this episode. I asked my wife to join me for a brief discussion about our decision-making process here, and it started off with the portfolio rebalancing asset allocation change that we've been talking about, but it's moved into kind of a broader transition in strategy. Our kids are going off to college with lots of different things that we're trying to figure out from a financial standpoint and develop a fire strategy that kind of encompasses all of these things. Typically, our roles are my wife is handling the day-to-day finances and I'm handling the long-term you know, fire strategy and drawdown strategy investments. And what we're realizing now is this transition period that we're in as we approach our FI date in 2024 is things have to change. And so as a couple, you know, we're trying to navigate this. And I think, you know, anyone on the fire path with a significant other or partner or spouse, you realize that this is, you know, it's a team effort and it's not always easy. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of unpack how we make these decisions. The initial conversation was because Jason and I had been talking about portfolios and asset allocations. And Jason said to me, he's like, dude, you should not be 100% in stocks. And I came to you and I was like, I'm thinking about changing the allocation. I was thinking something like 90-10, 90% stocks, 10%. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I mean, that... That's almost like just enough to make you feel better, but I didn't think it would that would have a measurable difference. Right. Yeah. So we started talking about it and so I tend to register an opinion like if you come to me and start talking about it and you say something like that and I will I'll make a flippant remark like, well, you know, that's just That's like stupid. A band-aid. <laughs> but it's not really I think that's stupid. And then, is what you, you said. and then you feel kind of put out because I'm just saying that without having really done any homework on it. And usually by the time you've come to me, you've done excessive amounts of reading and studying on the issue. And then we start talking about it. And I think you do want me to weigh in on it. And so I will weigh in with an opinion, but you know, it's completely unfounded. Like it's not based on having a lot of information. It's a little uninformed, but I mean, you, for example, when I said the 90-10, you came back with this idea of like, well, if it's a traditional retirement allocation, yeah, something that Vanguard recommends, it's more like 60-40, yeah. 60% stocks, 40% bonds. And I was like, no way. <laughs> well, I think you're much more, you were more aware of the fact that we are really relying on a certain percentage of growth in our portfolio right. to reach FI. And so having 40% in bonds makes a huge difference in terms of the average rate of return of that whole portfolio. And I, I didn't really have my head there. My head yeah. was still in the, well, I mean, for, for this to really be a conservative portfolio, it needs to be 40% in some kind of fixed income like bonds. Right. And, and so that, at that point, I think we both agreed that we needed to make a change. Yes. But we weren't in agreement on how that happens. And at, at a certain point we sat down and I said, look, I don't want to make this decision by myself, even though I have historically taken these things on. Investing in, you know, one set of mutual funds, like the total stock yeah. market, that's easy. Yeah. There's not a lot of investing, you know, knowledge required to do that, right? And right. that's the, kind of the typical FI blueprint is just to do that, mm-hmm. right? 100, 100% VTSX or VTI. And that's what we had been doing. And that, that totally felt easy to me. And then making this shift, I wanted to get... your 
I didn't want to just be like totally responsible for it and say, oh, if I screw it up, it's all on me. But also, I wanted your opinions on it. And, and I did <clears throat> come to you and say that. Um, and so then at that point... But you wanted my educated opinion. You didn't want right. my opinion of 10%. That doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. I think you wanted my opinion after I got to a certain level of background reading. Like, you weren't going to be comfortable with my opinion until I was somewhat more informed it's true. about bonds. But I have to tell you, I was very intimidated once I started reading. I was feeling the same way. I had started to do some of that research and you know, on the sort of fixed income side of the portfolio. And I was like, oh, my God, this does not make sense to me. And in part, that was why I didn't really want the responsibility of making the shift and the change. And I think you you then came to similar conclusions. So what did you do for research? What was that process? <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly. Well, you actually recommended a couple of podcasts to me, uh, which I listened to. Um, Karsten Jeske, Jeske yep. um, was, I think, the one that I found to be the most informative. And that got me thinking about glide path and bond tent and like different strategies that sure. people use, yeah. uh, early retirees. And then I went on Reddit with some of that information, just sort of at asking just like, Oh, we were here. We are, you know, we have, we're considering retiring at such and such date. And I mean, you put you numbers know. in there, like it was, uh, rough numbers. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like a detailed bogleheads kind of Thing. It was more like, you know, what I wanted to know what people's opinions were. And this was on the, um, the Chubby Fire subreddit on bond tent strategies, like how people use bonds in that way, just to reduce sequence of return risk. And it was actually really helpful. I think people had, most of the people had clearly been reading the same things I was reading. And okay. then there was a few yeah. flipping things. Like if you've ever done any math or research, you would never consider bonds, <laughs> which right. I think is just somebody who has more of that mindset of like, why would you ever yeah. invest Crypto. in bonds? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's always extreme opinions yeah. everywhere. There's not like, I, I guess generally it's not as conservative on the people who are on Reddit versus like Bogleheads, which is where you were searching for information. Yeah. So I, and I, I can't remember the name of the person's, um, the blog that I read. Michael Kitsis, I yes. think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and actually that was hugely helpful. It's helpful, but um, it's also, that was the one that I read where I thought, okay, I really don't know enough about <laughs> this to make really yeah. very informed opinions. But I, 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 read, I read pretty widely on it. And the fact that there are so many opinions <laughs> suggested, uh, unless I hired an expert, I wasn't going to come to a conclusion that yeah. felt very well informed, yeah. no matter how much I read about, you know, bond fund advisors and like, cause that's very important, right? The person who manages the bond fund. Mm -hmm. And I thought if picking the total stock market is good enough for us, for the stock side of our portfolio, why not pick the total bond market? <laughs> you know, I mean, which it, was a relief actually. It was, that was yeah. kind of a relief. <laughs> I wonder, have you ever considered hiring a, financial consultant or a fiduciary or something. Yeah. Like, I know that this was probably one of the times where I really started to worry that we didn't, we don't have someone like that. Yeah. Um, because you know, we, you don't know what you don't know. Right? Exactly. And <laughs> yeah. you know, there may be other sources of information, you know, at, you gave me some sources of reading and I sort of, you know, after reading the Kitsis blog and listening to um, the two different podcasts with uh, Karsten, yeah. I, there were a few other things I reached out for and read. And I thought, this is just an entire landscape of like, 
of information that I don't even know where to stop. And right. I already quickly got, I got to a point where I wasn't understanding everything and I started to feel kind of insecure about it, which I think <laughs> happens to people, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. it's, um, it's kind of scary because it's a lot of money. But then I think, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, <laughs> we, well, I don't think we would sink our portfolio. I, I, I think what would happen is, you know, we would realize maybe we were off in our, in our calculations about when we could retire. You could stay 100% in equities. And if you're flexible about your retirement date, that might be okay. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. and I think what we're doing is we, we're, we don't want to be flexible about that. Like right. we want to stick with, you know, uh, the date that, you know, we agreed on. But um, at some point you have to take some risk off the table. I think, I think we both, yeah. we both came to that conclusion through, by doing this research. And I feel like the fact that you went off and did some independent research and I went off and did some independent research, I posted on Bo, you know, Bogleheads yes. and- And that was helpful. And actually lot. Jason's advice was really helpful too. Jason's advice and he, he was willing to share like exactly what his strategy was, which is informed by financial advisors. So that lends some confidence to it. And we're, we're targeting similar numbers. So that helped. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, he has a more complex portfolio than we do. And when I looked at that and I, you know, presented it to you, that was the point at which you were like, well, maybe we should hire someone to, to take a more holistic look. Cause you and I are like, we're zoomed in on this one little component. Oh, we need some fixed income. And we're not thinking about the totality of it because even if we could come up with an allocation that we thought made sense, like let's say we agreed 60-40 was the right split, mm -hmm. it's still tax location, like the location of the assets are important. And we started understanding that. We're like, oh, should we have the same allocation in our taxable account as we do in our retirement accounts? And mm -hmm. it all started to feel, again, it raised more questions. And so I thought it was interesting. I have thought about hiring somebody just on a hourly basis. Um, and I think we probably will. Um, and I oh, we will? I think so. You know, for a small amount of money, let's say it's a thousand or two thousand mm -hmm. dollars, you can get someone to, you know, look at the portfolio just with a fresh set of eyes. And how would you feel about that? Would you feel? I would feel very good about that, actually. Do you want that? I, well, first I should say, I, I have a lot of trust in you. I mean, we've known each other for a really long time. You're a very talented, intelligent person. And I, I do absolutely trust your ability to find, read and understand and communicate everything that you're learning. And so I actually, I mean, it's not that I want to just offload all of the responsibility to you, but there's reasons why I trust you, hmm. you know, and part of it is because you're good at this. Uh, and I know that you obsessively, like when you get focused on something, you're like hundred percent, like obsessed with that until, until you come away with a decision. And so I'm not suggesting I feel good about the financial advisor because I don't have trust in you. I just yeah. think, no, I just think it would make both of us feel better to have someone on the outside who we can share all of our numbers with, sure. uh, yeah. who can just talk to us about it. And maybe there's something that we haven't thought of. Right. Uh, and, and we're right. also educated enough now on the sort of fire space that we're in mm -hmm. to know when advice maybe doesn't align with those values yeah. that we've been, because we've researched it. 
for a yeah. long time. And, um, you know, once we started getting into this, when we were trying to figure out that exact allocation and where mm -hmm. to put things, we decided that we did want some fixed income in our taxable account. Yes. And then that was like another bump in the road, right? Because it's not like, oh, we can't just put regular bonds in there. You have to put muni bonds in there. Well, and yeah, then how do we definitely. choose muni bonds? <laughs> how, do you recall how we settled on the final asset allocation of 70-30? Do you, do you recall that? Well, we, I thought we based it on the, if every, if so, if we have a market downturn that la, downturn that lasts, and I think we were a little bit unsure about the time period, right. eight years or something. And then we looked at how much money we would need, would we, would we need for that period of time so that we don't have to draw down from our equities. That was exactly it. And it, then we figured out what that number was roughly, and then what percentage of our portfolio was that number. I'm pretty sure that's what we did. That's exactly what we did. Which yeah. I think makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. To me, that felt like we landed at a place that had some reasoning behind it rather than the 90-10 yeah. Yeah. or the 60-40. Well, the funny thing is it's like, kind of right between, it's almost right in between. So we could have just said, No, it's, just... it's not almost right in between. <laughs> <laughs> well. It's a little on your side. It is, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> so I I want to be a little more risky. I mean, I I know we agreed initially on the 70-30, oh, but I, I am thinking about like... Is this a okay, trap? Well, you're trapping me? <laughs> can you agree to that? What do you mean? Just bumping up the... I mean, we can meet in the middle, 75. Wait, oh, 25. so we're not doing 70-30. <laughs> no, we are. To be honest, I didn't love doing it, but now... It just, it, it's like when we did the estate plan and we did all that, you know, we're investing in lawyer fees and all those things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't love doing that stuff, but having it there is, there is some reassurance and I, I feel better about it. And I know, well. I feel a lot better about it. You feel it. a lot better. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. you were feeling like, this just, this isn't a good place to be. Yeah. I mean, it, for a number of reasons, I think we're just in right now in this moment in time where things are happening in the world that are crazy. And I do in the economy is, you know, I don't feel confident in it. Yeah. And we're, and I, and Jason experienced this. I mean, he retired into a pandemic. There was no way he would have been able to predict that. So, um, long term I don't know what's going to happen to the economy here in the US so I do worry about our timing so it makes sense to have some kind of safety net to me anyway yeah. and, and you feel better about it now yeah. I guess. the decision making process that we had was come together separate research come together separate research come together and make a decision right i mean is that do you think we're going to continue to do that on I, this portfolio probably from time to time yeah because yeah. we do have a regular meeting every month right well we're supposed to be <laughs> <laughs> and i i think sometimes sometimes because we're having conversations outside of our formal yeah. meeting then we don't have the formal right. meeting but yeah. i do think we're due for one yeah I agree. Uh, for a number of reasons. I think the last one we had was when we were talking about saving for college. Yes. I don't know if that's going to be a topic of today's discussion or not, but that was another time where we had to have the, dis we had the discussion. And then I think I strong armed you a little bit 
And then we went away. And then I, I tried to come up with other scenarios that we could. Well, we, we're saving for college a certain number every yes. month. Our monthly budget, we have sinking funds set up. And the sinking funds are for what? Um, like taxes for broke, you know, retirement savings mm -hmm. and college, college fund. Th those are kind of the big ones. Yeah. And, um, and in case people don't know, there's two college funds. We have two, two kids, two kids that are getting very close to, like one is going to college next year and the other one in two years. What we're doing is finding out that college doesn't cost what we thought it <laughs> was going to. Well, you know, we knew what in-state tuition would be, right. but as soon as you get out of state, yeah. there's a big jump. What was the system that we agreed to, to develop a savings plan? Well, in the first place? Yeah. In the first place, we looked at how much it would cost for them to go to an in-state school, and then we you know, figured out how much we would have to save per month right. to contribute to those accounts. And we told both the kids. We told them, yep. It's very abstract to them. Sure, yeah, but I mean, it is was the operating system that we were using to yeah. save. <clears throat> and also, we balance what we're earning yep. and where all of our dollars are going in the budget. Mm -hmm. And so, we had this meeting a yeah, month ago, two months ago, maybe. Yeah, and I think the frustration for you was I was just coming and saying we need we need to save this much more. We need to double what we were. You wanted to double it, and I didn't. I didn't come up. With, I didn't come with a plan, an associated plan for how we would do that. So you just saw it as like, okay, that's how much I have to make that much more money every month. That's my responsibility. That's my responsibility, and you're just coming and asking me, and so. It, it wasn't. I mean, I, I think yeah. I wasn't saying to you, I expect you to figure out how to make it happen. But because I didn't have a, a plan on paper, you felt that way. So, but still you agreed to it. And I, but I think you kind of tucked it away as another stressor. Yes. So, but then, also one that I felt was a little bit unnecessary because we both agreed we want the kids to have skin in the game. And they will. Either way, they're going to have, if, if they go to an in state school, it's they, covered. It's covered, but they're probably not going to, right? So they're going to go to an out-of-state school. They're going to have skin in the game, and it was more about how much debt are are we comfortable with them having uh, when they get out of school. And you know, there's there was a there was a tipping point for me. I thought, okay, well, the cheapest out-of-state school that I've looked at so far is going to require that when they get out of school that they would have um, like fifty thousand dollars in debt. We had this conversation yes. and and an agreement, and then I was like, "Oh man, that just feels like a big ask." We kind of circled back to it more informally. We haven't had a formal meeting since we since we talked about that last. We we had yeah. some couch conversations yeah. where I just said, "Eh, this is how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like that burden is on me to come up with it." And then you produced this very detailed spreadsheet mm -hmm. showing. The breakdown and where the money could come from and then also a plan yeah which which required no extra input from me I, I have to say I really appreciate that and honestly the more time I sat with it I did feel like we probably owe, the, owe our kids a little more a little more yeah and, and you showed it to me with a spreadsheet and numbers and that just inherently feels more data driven and mm -hmm. like I can relate to that more yeah. And, and I don't know if other people, I mean, you don't get to see into, into other people's kind of financial yeah. lives. You yeah. Know? And it's, I had kind of like just gone through a rough thing in my head about it. And it helped me to have it on paper yeah. too, because I did realize that we have this period of time while they're in school um, where 
I could find the money in our budget. Right. Uh, so, and it wouldn't necessarily require, and that was like, that didn't require that you increase how much you're making right now and how much you're saving right now. I mean, I know that we're still trying to save it now, but we don't have to. Yeah. Um, yeah, that helped take yeah. the pressure off of it. East, at least just having options, you know. So I, I guess if other people are struggling with that and convincing a spouse, and I know Jason was like this too, Jason and Lori, mm -hmm. having some kind of document that says, here, I've done some thinking about this and this, these are the contingencies yeah. or mm -hmm. this is three possible ways forward. That I, I did find that universally helpful. And I think you are given confidence by, like when I think about the research that you're doing, like you always are given more confidence when you see more data. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I, sh yeah. And it's actually funny how I didn't treat it that way in the first place. <laughs> um, but yeah. And I think it's, it's nice that we can actually talk about money that way because when we were first married, when we were first together, we didn't have very many conversations about money. And when no. we did, I felt, yeah. I felt emotional about it. Like sometimes it felt emotionally charged when we talked about money and the solution was to just try to make more so we don't have to like dig into the details. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's like true. I don't think, and I know other people who that's a that's a diff, the most difficult thing in their relationships is to talk about is money because yeah. maybe you don't agree on what you're spending money on. Right. When you look at the budget, people feel defensive if one person questions what another one is spending, and we've gotten over that I think long ago. But I remember when it when I felt that way anyway. I don't well, know. If I mean, we just had a conversation last week about oh you're going to go on this trip with one of your friends yeah. and you said, what's, so what's the free board budget on this? Like, what can I spend? And I was like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, are you going to like to Monaco or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, no, we're going to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And, and, like we're, I'm looking at Minneapolis, like hotels are so cheap. <laughs> Sorry, anyone from Minneapolis, but it is cheaper than like, <laughs> it's cheaper than New York. <laughs> well, yeah. Go to all the, all the Minneapolis trips you want. Yeah. <laughs> but it, we hadn't really put bounds on it. You and I have both been listening to the, uh, Ramit Sethi has this new podcast called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And yes. it, it brings couples in kind of like this and they kind of expose their money issues, I guess you could say. And some of them are pretty striking, mm -hmm. uh, very yeah. emotional. And yeah. one of the topics that we recently listened to was, you know, one person, one spouse is spending more than another, which is not an uncommon situation. And we were just kind of chatting about that. And given this trip that you're taking and I'm taking a trip too. And, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, we talked to, because one of the techniques he frequently uses is he helps them talk through the idea of what's the amount of money that you can spend that's not going to be a, a big deal. It won't like, impact your financial you picture have, at all. Right. Based on, and, and so the couples were identifying those amounts of money. Like so what did we basis. come up with? I don't think we came up with one, <laughs> but I thought, oh, that that's a really useful technique. You know, I yeah. wish that we had talked about that earlier in our marriage, maybe, because I don't think that we were great savers early on. No. We didn't really start saving money until we wanted to buy or build a house. And I think that was right. the first time where we were really focused on saving. Like you and I were not focused on saving before that. I think when you're not making a lot of money, you kind of feel like, well, I, don't, I can't save anything anyway. So right. you had a retirement account, actually, but I was still in graduate school and I was yeah. making like $16,000 a year and a stipend. Like I didn't have any money at all. Wow. Yeah. 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 Uh, but anyway, yeah, we didn't really decide on what that number would be. So what would your number, I mean, what would it be? What do you think? 
Uh, what amount of money can I spend each month where you're not going to worry about it? I mean, I just... Outside of our regular budget. I just trust you. You and I have lived with this operating system so long. I just trust you to, like, if, if it were a big expenditure, like a couple of thousand dollars, you'd, you'd say, oh, I'm thinking about doing this. You would just naturally yeah, do that. that would, and yeah. I don't think I would be, like, that wouldn't surprise me. You know, and I think if it happened every month that you had... Uh, you were buying a three thousand dollars something. I would be. I would be surprised. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't do that either. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we should put bounds around it. But at the same point, like we don't budget either. So. What do you mean we part, don't budget? Yes, we do. We do a monthly budget. I mean, we have. We. What do you mean do one? I mean, we've had one. Okay. We, what are utilities? Well, we a month? know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't budget. I don't think we budget. I mean, because if we budgeted, we would say, oh, geez, the food bill is higher than, than it was last month. I don't know what the food bill was last month. Do you? Uh, it was like $1,200. Oh <laughs> Maybe we, we should. We have two teenage boys. Our grocery bill per week is like $300. I feel, I feel good if I walk out of the grocery store having spent two eighty, like I've saved something. So. Well, I guess my point is this is working for us. If this were a point of conflict and and you were like taking ten trips a year by yourself and and I'd be like wow like is that adding up to some like real money like are what what are we doing here or <laughs> why does she want to be away from me so much? <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Okay, so we don't what's, need to do What's that. your number? We don't need to do that. I mean, what do you think? How much be? money would I be comfortable with you spending per month? Yeah. I mean. I think you spend 500 easy a month. I think if you spent $1,000, $2,000, I don't think I'd worry about it. I don't know if you would do it though. I just think, no, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't because the way our budget's set up right now, when we have these financial meetings and we look at our FI sinking funds, every dollar really does have a job. And so yeah. spending the extra is like, well, where's that coming from? And, and I feel like that's been a great real refocusing point for me personally, mm -hmm. but I don't know if it's the healthiest thing to do. Well, you don't have any of those crazy hobbies that some people have, you know, like antique cars or, right. you know, yeah. antique motorcycles. I don't know why I'm picking those kinds of things, but not that you would. Uh, Your dad had those model airplanes, which are oh yeah yeah like that's a pretty planes hobby. the size of a trailer. You actually have to put in a trail. Like, well, not anymore. Now he's retired, and now he can't afford them anymore. <laughs> Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Thank you.